This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. It's a topic that's, uh, let's face it, it's, uh, it's on a lot of people's minds these days. Iowa feeds the world, but new challenges have emerged. What we really do is help farmers as individuals create intentional ways forward. Embracing new ideas may be an answer. Uh, this is just another way for them to access a different kind of market uh, that's more difficult for them to access. Meeting the food needs of the world, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. It sometimes feels like the only thing that's the same from when Iowa farmers grew crops a century ago as compared with today is that the soil itself is still the best in the world. From the technology used to plant, grow, and harvest, to diversification of crops, to a growing global population and global markets, Iowa is still at the center of it all. The paradox is that while Iowa feeds the world, many here at home go hungry. Food insecurity continues to be an issue in Iowa and across the country. This month, September, is Hunger Action Month a time when people all over the U.S. connect with a nationwide network of food banks to fight hunger, to spread the word, and take action. Tim Harwood of Iowa Watch Connection affiliate KXEL spoke about the topic with Barb Prather, executive director of the Northeast Iowa Food Bank. The group is based in Waterloo but serves 16 counties in Northeast Iowa, providing nutritious food and grocery products to nonprofit organizations and individuals in the region, while also offering hunger education programs to the community and those in need. Hunger Action Month um, has been going on for a long time, and it's really about raising awareness to the issue of hunger. Um, and we have a variety of ways that people can engage. All of them are listed on our website, so if you go to www.northeastiowafoodbank.org, you can find access to them. But it's just ways to raise awareness to the issue that hunger exists. Um, in Northeast Iowa, and engaging with the food bank is a way that you can do something about it. Um, we have a list of different events happening, everything from coming in and volunteering, and then at the end of the month, um, we have our biannual sack lunches. So there's lots of ways that you can get involved. We have special things for um, new volunteers this month, so go to our website and find that out, because we are always looking for volunteers to help us out because ultimately our goal is to ensure that people have access to food, and we can't do that without community support, which includes food funding and volunteers. You know, and I make reference to the change in seasons, the change in temperatures. Maybe that's uh, hearkening back to that old fable about the ant and the grasshopper. But in reality, no matter what the time of year is, there is some need, and, and that's illustrated perhaps best by kids who in the summertime, don't necessarily have uh, food available that they're used to getting from schools as part of the regular district lunch programs, mm -hmm. but there's still a need there, and, and the need that the food bank provides during the school year uh, is is changing. Yeah, we really help um, fill the gaps of what other places can't provide, whether it's school lunch, whether it's senior meals, whatever that is. Our role is to really fill the gaps, whether it's getting some extra food through our food pantry, whether it's getting a backpack of food for the weekends um, through your local school. 
whatever way it is, our our job is to fill the gap. And really that's our our strategic plan is to close the meal gap. And the meal gap right now is 7.4 million meals. We're currently providing about 6.9 million meals. And so however we can do that, um, strategically working with the community, whether it's through a food pantry, whether it's the backpack program, our kids cafe program, which gears up in the fall again, um, you know, through the mobile food pantries we have throughout Northeast Iowa. Those are just four examples of ways that we help fill the meal gap. But we can't do it without community support. And so during the month of September, we kick off our community support drive. Um, and the theme this year is I'm hungry for change. And how can you help us make change in the lives of people who need um, food, but make change um, on a national level just by raising awareness to the issue of hunger. Doing some quick math on the numbers that you gave, mm-hmm. that's a, a half million meals mm-hmm. that the difference is. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty substantial. Yep. Do you feel like that's something that can be covered? Well, um, we're getting closer. The challenge is always the food resources that you bring in because they're always changing. I go back, you know, 15 years when a lot of our product came from manufacturers. Now a lot of our product is perishable. So it's a whole change in mindset of how you collect that food and distribute that food. And the turnaround time is much, much faster than it used to be um, to get the food in and get the food out. So it's it, it's within our reach. We're getting closer. Two of our counties, we have closed the meal gap. Um, but the key is we have to keep it closed. Um, and we keep it closed by ensuring we have enough resources to do that. Barb Brather of the Northeast Iowa Food Bank, based in Waterloo. The group serves 16 counties in Northeast Iowa, providing nutritious food to 5,800 different people each week through a network of more than 200 food pantries, soup kitchens, schools, churches, and nonprofit groups. You're listening to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. You're no doubt aware of the World Food Prize, an organization based in Des Moines that annually recognizes individuals for their work in combating world hunger. This year's recipient is Simon Groot of the Netherlands, who will receive the 2019 World Food Prize for his transformative role in empowering millions of smallholder farmers in more than 60 countries to enhance production and benefit consumers. But the World Food Prize group now does far more than simply present an annual award. As I learned when I spoke earlier this year with Madeline Goebel, Director of Community Outreach for the World Food Prize organization. The programs that I oversee are much more localized here with the state of Iowa. I oversee something called the Iowa Hunger Summit, as well as something called the Iowa Hunger Directory. And so with the summit, we're going on our 13th year this year. And so um, with that, we look to create those collaborations around food security and hunger, both at the local level as well as the international level. So we look to bridge gaps between uh, community members who are so passionate about their communities and are looking um, to get further connected and are concerned about food insecurity issues. Um, and, and might not know, you know, who in their community is working towards that. And so we look to connect those, uh, those people, both with the summit that takes place uh, annually during our week of events in October. It'll be October 14th uh, this year. And then with the Hunger Directory, we look to do that um, throughout the year. Um, and so we have uh, nearly 500 organizations, initiatives uh, and that we work with to create those collaborations to say, um, you know, how do we uh, work together to end the, the issues regarding food insecurity? 
insecurity. There is a cruel irony of the fact that Iowa feeds the world, but we have food insecurity at levels that most of us mm -hmm. don't have the opportunity to witness, and therefore it's harder for us to acknowledge. Give me a sense, if you will, of the scope of the situation. I don't want to call it a problem. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge. It's an opportunity. But give me a yeah. sense of the scope. Yeah. So um, Iowa, where we have about one in eight Iowans are, are considered to be food insecure. One in eight. What do we mean by food insecurity? Yeah, sometimes there's a bit of confusion between, you know, hunger yeah. and food insecurity. With food insecurity, um, you know, it's individuals who d might not know on a regular basis is where their uh, next meal is going to come from. Um, it also has a lot to do with access to nutrition. You know, just because you feel full doesn't mean um, that you're getting the needed access to nutritious foods. Um, so you can be food insecure in that respect as well. Um, so it's not only quantity and regularity, but also the quality. quality. Yep. Sure. And then availability yeah. as well. What is the biggest misconception people have, mm -hmm. either about the topic or about what you do? It, it's about who is food insecure. You mm -hmm. know, there there is no uh, stereotype or definition about who is food insecure, whether it's here in Iowa or across the world. Um, you know, we all uh, want to ensure that we can not only, you know, fill our own bellies with nutritious food, but our children and our communities. And so um, just being understanding uh, of, you know, who you're around and, and how you uh, approach the subject and just knowing that, you know, you never know where someone's coming from. And so um, just being compassionate and empathetic um, in your everyday life. Madeline Goble of the World Food Prize Organization in Des Moines. This year's World Food Prize will be awarded next month, October, in Des Moines. When we come back, we'll speak with representatives of two organizations working to provide food producers with new opportunities. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. The Harkin on Wellness Summit held in Des Moines on April 3rd of this year brought together professionals from a wide variety of fields to discuss wellness and nutrition. And that obviously ties directly to the production of food. One of those presenting as part of a panel was Sally Worley, Executive Director of Practical Farmers of Iowa. Our mission is to equip farmers to build resilient farms and communities. And what we really do is help farmers as individuals um, create intentional ways forward. So policy is often confused with politics, which policy is definitely politics, but it's also what people do as individuals and groups to create actions forward. The policy is what we should be doing. Politics is the mechanism by which we navigate to get there. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we do a lot of grassroots work helping farmers decide what they want to do and then figure out how to do it. And then we create networks so that others can learn from each other as well as feel empowered to be able to make decisions that benefit their farms and their communities. 
What is one of the greatest challenges right now to the work that you do? And I know you have this whole host of, of seminars and programs and, and outreach, uh, and, it, and it's fascinating stuff to me. What is the, one of the greatest challenges right now in trying to get where you want to be? As farmers, I think as our agriculture system in Iowa has become less diverse, if you do want to diversify in any way, you're it's an uphill battle. Uh, you, there are more barriers in place than for the traditional corn and soybean systems here in Iowa. And even if you want to add a cover crop or a small grains cool season crop to those systems, again, it is still a challenge. So really what we're talking about here today um, at the Harkin Institute on Wellness is how we can move forward with some policies that will benefit our farming system that in turn benefit our environment and the health of our um, humans and our communities as well. What are some of the specific things that if you were able to bend someone's ear who could play the politics game, uh, what are some of the policies uh, or is it first of all mindset? Maybe that's what what is challenging about it, is getting people to understand they should be having the conversation to begin with. Right. So I think first, even before mindset is education, yeah. to be aware of what our food and farm system is now, where it's leading us, both good and bad, and then identifying where we want to go. And then, like you said, exactly having those conversations is a really good starting point to make the system more transparent and identify where we should go with it. So as you have the conversations with participants here, what is important about your involvement representing Practical Farmers of Iowa at an event like this, either interacting with those who attend, fellow panelists, et cetera. What's, what's a good connecting point so as you leave today you think this was really a, a, a day well spent? Well, I think one thing to, that I would like to bring to the table is that it does start with individuals, that we as individuals do have the capability of being informed uh, and talking in our local, our state, and our federal um, different arenas about things that we want to see. So um, really that grassroots part of how we can all play a role in defining what we'd like to see for the future. Everything's tied together. Our food is tied to our farm systems, which is tied to our health and is tied to the health of our rural communities. So that's important. And another thing is we progressively, progressively maybe not a, in a good way, move toward a system of convenience. We're looking for efficient food. We're looking for cheap food. We're looking for food that we can serve to our family between soccer practice and choir practice. So we're just on the run all the time. Really what we should be looking for is a food system and culture that talks about the quality of food, that isn't proud of how cheap our food is, but wants to talk about how good our food is, and wants to talk about um, how we can help farmers grow food that is served more in our region. We do need to feed the world, but we need to look at how we are feeding the world and what the current issues are to see how we can improve the system. And this is not at all an attack on farmers. Farmers are key and central to how we operate in their 
um, vastly needed, um, but for them to have sustainable systems in the future too, we need to look at how they can better take care of their health, um, their soil health, as well as their local communities. So they are a big part of the conversation, how we can better serve farmers to in turn better um, feed our communities and take care of our environment. How did you come to this sort of work? What's your background that leads you to have such a vital interest in this? So I've been at Practical Farmers for about 12 and a half years now. You know, I came to Practical Farmers events and I was just astounded by the amount of information shared, the amount of support that people had to realize it's not a one-size-fits-all, but everybody has the ability and the permission to become educated and make their own decisions. So I was just fascinated and really drawn to that. Sally Worley is Executive Director of Practical Farmers of Iowa, online at practicalfarmers.org. Helping new residents of the state get their start in becoming self-sustaining is one of the goals of a unique project spearheaded in Iowa by LSI, Lutheran Services in Iowa. Daniel Bowser is a food hub specialist with LSI. I work with the Global Greens program at Lutheran Services in Iowa, so I buy product from uh, farmers who are in our farm training program and uh, get it out to the public, through primarily through CSA boxes. Uh, so we get the locally grown vegetables and uh, aggregate them and sell them to the public. CSA stands for? CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. Uh, it's a way for folks to support the local food system by paying at the beginning of the year and in return we provide a box of vegetables every week for the entire 22-week growing season we have here in Iowa. So it's not just simply a matter of handing somebody something, it's a matter that they're part of the process as well then? Exactly. So it's a subscription process, uh, it's a subscription model and uh, Part of the problem with farming is all the expenses come at the begin beginning of the year, but the sure. income comes later on. So this is a way for the community to, to come behind the farmer, give them the money when they need it, and in return, provide you vegetables for the entire year. It's almost like a bridge loan, if you will, but with a much more direct connection and a direct outcome that you can measure. Absolutely. How long have you been affiliated with this program? I've worked with the Global Greens program since 2014, so for about five years. Um, the Global Greens program started back in 2010 um, when a lot of the folks in the refugee community here in Des Moines uh, came to Lutheran Services and they said, you know, we were farmers where we came from. Uh, agriculture is really important to us. Would you help us start finding avenues to, um, to sustain ourselves? And so Global Greens really started as a, um, a way for folks to grow food for home consumption. Um, but folks were really interested in starting small, sustainable fruit and vegetable businesses. And so that's where Global Greens has grown to. Uh, in 2013, we started an incubator farm where folks could uh, incubate their businesses, if you will, um, on a small, up to about a quarter acre of land. And since then, um, we've started a farm training program. We've had folks graduate through that farm training program, and uh, they're renting small farms all around the Des Moines area. Um, and so we continue that farm training program. We continue to support the graduates of our program. Um, and that's, again, what a food hub, hub specialist do. I work with this network of growers, anyone from our trainees mm -hmm. to the graduates, and buy their food and, and resell it to the public. You are working on establishing these networks from a centralized hub that is able to connect 
the growers with what they know how to do, with the public with what they need. And so really it just all flows through someone in your position or an entity like LSI. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of the folks, um, the folks we're serving, a lot of them uh, struggle to connect with an individual customer through, um, they have barriers, whether it's technological or um, just language barriers. Our cultural barriers, and so that's what we're trying to to fill in there, so that folks have an avenue to sell. The folks in our program also sell on their own through farmers markets to other folks in the community. Uh, this is just another way for them to access a di a, a different kind of market uh, that's more difficult for them to access. And it was fascinating as you were telling the story. Here are some refugees who come to the state. They know agriculture, so they come to the heart of the world's agriculture, but it's impossible for them to get a tract of land. I mean, they have no capital. There's no way for them to practice the skills that they had unless they get a little help in a program such as as you administer. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jeff. You know, we, we live in Iowa, the, the breadbasket of the world, yeah. and these folks come to us with incredible skills. You know, many of um, the, the folks we were working with have been farmers since the day they were born. They have generations and generations of, of knowledge and skills and experience have been passed down to them. Uh, and so they really, really need this access to capital, access to land that's so difficult for any, any farmer in, in Iowa that wants to start up. Uh, it's, it's just really tough to to find the capital and the land to, um, to to get started. And so that's what we're trying to do for these folks. And uh, Really, they just need three, four, five, six acres um, to, to have a, a viable, small vegetable farming business. And it not only helps them sustain themselves in terms of the direct benefit, but again, they're producing produce that some of us, if we were interested, we don't have the time to do ourselves, and we have some quality control over it as well. Right, yeah, exactly. So by, by purchasing vegetables from, from LSI, from these farmers, you're, you're supporting a sustainable food system. Uh, you're supporting folks who are not using chemicals or using organic practices. And you're, you're giving um, folks who are our newest entrepreneurs here in the state um, the opportunity to, to have a, a viable small business. Daniel Bowser of the Lutheran Services in Iowa branch in Des Moines, online at lsiiowa.org. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more iowawatch.org. Follow us on Twitter at iowawatch and be sure to use the hashtag iawatchconnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook too, facebook.com slash iowawatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of News Talk 1540, KXEL, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.